0: We serve a good God. He is great. He is wonderful. Amen. Amen. We haven't done that song in a long time, you know. I miss that song. Amen. It's one of my favorites for sure. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to God. This morning, you can be seated for a moment. This morning, we are starting a new series, and um, you can open your Bibles if you want to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, but I I want you to turn there. We're going to read from there in a moment, but this new series is entitled, In God We Trust. And I thought about this, and this morning I approached my sister, Dialis Romero, and I asked her if she would just get up here and if she would just share for a few moments about how God has brought her through one of probably the hardest trials of her life. As an encouragement for us, when we talk about, you know, it's easy to say, In God We Trust, when everything is all good. Uh-huh, I got like three witnesses. It's easy to say, oh, and God, we, tr- we trust the Lord, right? It's like, yeah, we trust God. It's kind of, let, let, let me not diminish God to this, but let me just say it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when your team is winning. Like everyone's a fan of whatever your team is when your team is winning, right? Like, yes. But when your team is having a terrible, uh-huh. some of y'all know about this a lot, amen? Having a terrible run like a couple of years, they just looking rough. Like, you, you, you're, you're usually not so proud, right? And it's just, it, 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 is, it is like that when we walk with Christ. You know, everything, oh, oh, when everything is good, when everything is, you know, firing on all cylinders, it's easy to say, in God we trust. But when things, when you are, like, stuck with those questions, you know, because everybody, everybody says this, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. I doubt we're going to ask God anything when we get to heaven. I'm just saying, I think we're going to be so overwhelmed with his glory, we probably won't have, have the, the wherewithal to even asking those questions because we will not care to know why. We're just glad we made it. Amen? And we're in the glorious presence of God. And so anyway, um, I'm going to let the, the, the singers and the music ministry, can you give them a hand for leading us in worship this morning? It's a beautiful job. And I'm going to ask my sister, Dialis to come up, if she would, and just share for a few moments on how God has brought her through this. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, Jesus.
1: Praise God. How many of you believe in miracles? Yes. I, when Brother um, Jason asked me to come up here, um, right away came to my mind many, many years ago when I was attending a Charisma conference here in Orlando, Florida, and they had a little prayer room, and I went and I nailed down before the Lord in that prayer room, and the Lord Lifted up a sister that came to me and told me, You have reached your destiny, and said, But you must be a warrior. I said, Oh my god, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I always thought that my destiny was the home that we we had purchased, um, and I thought for a minute, well, maybe it's time to go with the Lord. but uh, little did I know that um, after I had raised all my children that I would become a missionary. And for those that do not know us, I know most of you know us, uh, we have been missionaries in Honduras for the last 16 years. And there were many times when we had to be warriors, many times, and we talk about the good things that God has done because we want to glorify God. But there are very hard times in our lives that we prefer not to talk about it when we really have to fight the battle, praise God. But the Lord is always there to lift us up and give us the victory, and we have had many victorious moments in our mission in Honduras. Um, In December of last year, I came here, not just to visit, but to come and take care of my health because I was diagnosed with, by a doctor in Honduras as having um, lung fibrosis. And I says, well, it's time for me to go. David pushed me, he says, no, you have to go to Orlando because we have no health uh, coverage here. And I got here on the 13th of December, and on the 15th of December, I had a heart attack. I came out of the hospital after a few days, I'm feeling very, very weak, but I attended church here. We celebrated Christmas in Marisol's home, and I started walking and getting my strength back. Shortly after that, when Christmas passed, I started getting these fevers, and I lost my hearing. And um, we went to a specialist for my hearing, and he kept uh, prescribing all kinds of antibiotics, and the fever wouldn't cease, so... One day, Lizelle decided to take me to the hospital. I was admitted. And in the hospital, um, they discovered my lung condition. I had a mass in my lung. Um, I was admitted with chronic pneumonia. And I was in the hospital for about six months, more in than out of the hospital. The last hospital, well, the pre-last hospital that I was in, in Kissimmee, I was there six months. Okay? Um, I was ready to put my name on the door. <laughs> um, and it was horrible because I kept having all these, these real dreams. And the other day we were laughing about it because I, we were remembering when I was telling my husband, and this was a live dream. That I wanted to remodel my room. We were going to put put cabinets and a kitchen, and and for me this was all real, okay. Um, I was very, very ill. I know that a lot of people, and that was one of the blessings that I got to see people that I hadn't seen for years, people that came from New York. Uh, My best friend came from Puerto Rico to visit me because I was supposedly dying, and they wanted to to be with me and and pay me the last respects uh, before I went to be with the Lord. Honestly, I thought I was going to go to be with the Lord. I was prepared. I said, Lord, um, take me as soon as possible because I don't want to continue in this situation. I couldn't sleep. Excuse me. I couldn't eat. I was bedridden, bounded to my bed. I couldn't walk, could barely move. I couldn't hear at all. And I was in constant agony. I had the lung, I had the heart, and then my my, um, kidneys got bad, both of them. And they were even talking about a kidney replacement. I said, oh my God, all the reports were all negative. One after the other, Lizelle was, she was hardly coming to church and she was there in the hospital all the time and she couldn't take it anymore. It was really getting to be unbearable. My husband came from Honduras and he practically lived in the hospital By then, I'll be honest with you, I stopped worrying. I couldn't pray, but I didn't stop praising the Lord. In my bed, I was constantly praising the Lord and rebuking the devil because I felt in my heart this is a test. The devil is in this somehow, and the Lord is allowing it for, for a reason. There's always a reason for those that love God and their purpose that God has with you. And I was telling Pastor Jason when he went to my home the other day that I received um, many messages from the Lord, but there was one that was very, very short that I will never forget. A lady that came to visit the nursing home. I was placed in a nursing home, okay? The lady that came to visit the nursing home, she passed by me. My husband was standing by my side. And she walked back and said, Sister, I have a message for you. And she said two words. She says, The Lord says, Hang in there. And <laughs> she walked away. She says, God bless you, and walked away. She said, Nothing else. And my husband was constantly reminding me, you remember the Lord says, hang in there. When I would complain to him and say, David, I can't take it no more. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I need to get out of this place. I'm going crazy. And not once was I angry at the Lord. I love God too much. And I just thanked him every day, every day through my child. I kept saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus praise your name but it was very very difficult it was a hard hard trial okay and I just praise the Lord because although I stopped worrying I stopped praying but I had the servant of the Lord near me my husband came and he was praying and fasting all the time that he was in the hospital okay? He, he he was an example to the nurses. They would look at him and says, what's he doing? I said, he's praying. <laughs> I mean, it's something rare for, for people to see a man kneeling down, but he was in his knees all the time. He was there praying for me, and I not once saw him crying, but I was told he cried a lot. My daughter cried, um, and but there were actually a lot of people that visited me and, and gave me the word from the Lord and lifted my spirits and, and saw that, you know, I never cried. I'll be honest with you. I never shed a tear, okay? Um, I don't know if I had no tears or, or why. I, I just trusted the Lord in my anguish and my situation. I trusted the Lord. That's the the uh, uh, title of, of, of the messages that you're about to, to receive, and trusting God is is something that we all need to practice okay hi sarah god bless you Um, (laughs) so i just you know wanted to share these words with you god has been wonderful since i got out of the hospital the last hospital that i was in was the altamont hospital since i i got out of that hospital i started walking i started sleeping i couldn't sleep i couldn't eat i had no appetite whatsoever I, i was losing pounds and um, everything was reversed. I started getting good reports every day. I'm, I'm much stronger and for about a week now, I got a real good report. The doctors had told me that I would be on dialysis for the rest of my life. He told my daughter, he told me, and we looked at each other and we said, we're not receiving that report. We are not accepting that report. I am not going to be on dialysis for the rest of my life. And for a week now, I've been taking off dialysis. every, <laughs> Praise God. God is good. Every time I visited, I went to the dialysis place. They would tell me, you're doing good. You're doing good. But I had no idea they were going to take me off. I mean, sometimes you pray, and then you don't expect you're pressed to be answered, that's how we are, okay? Because we prayed for these things. And it, and it was always a surprise to me when they would tell me, I went one time with my daughter to get the prescription for my lab work because they told me uh, not to go in to do dialysis, but that I had to see my doctor in two weeks. And um, when I went there, everybody said, oh, we weren't expecting to see you again. Um, Good, you came here for the for the lab or lab prescription because this way we get to say goodbye, and that's when I realized what's going on here, what's going on here. And when I went to the doctor, he says, um, "Praise God," he said, um, "You know, not too many people get off dialysis once they start. Um, they they put the they take the um, ca- catheter and they put it on the arm, and that that's when it's permanent." And um, there was a lady standing next to me when I was in the office waiting, and she says, oh, are they changing your fort and putting it on your arm? I says, no, they're taking it off. And she says, what? She says, well, praise God, she says, because she was a Christian. She says, praise God, and I wish you all the best, because she was there to to get it on the arm. And even the nurse was surprised, and she said, "Um, you know, I've been here many years, and when a person goes on dialysis, they never take them off. And you're just about one of the first in many, many years that I've witnessed that you're being taken off dialysis. God is wonderful. Amen. Many people, not just you, many people have been praying for me, friends and churches and my girls in Honduras. We have uh, 22 living with us, 27 in total with the children of our workers and um, they sent me a whole bunch of letters with my husband telling me we're waiting for you here mom we have been praying for a miracle and we see the lord has answered our prayers and a lot of little notes saying mommy forgive me for all the bad things i did (laughs) and we miss you and we love you and we want you to come back home so i don't know what the lord has we are praying and i'm willing to submit to whatever if we can to continue working from here then that's fine Because, you know, one of the things that the Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways. When I was here, we were worried because my husband and I were the the only ones living with the children. Our workers would come early in the morning and leave in the night, but we would sleep with them. And um, they had to stay while we were here. So we were praying, Lord, what's going to happen with the kids? And I received a call from a young lady that I hadn't heard from her in years. She had been a volunteer when we first started the ministry. She was uh, studying in a Bible college, and it was necessary that she did a practice for a few months. A few months turned into a year, and she helped in so many ways. She was a wonderful young lady. And then she got married, and I barely heard from her again. When I was here right after the heart attack, she contacted me. And she says, you know, I, I feel a burden in my heart to go back to Proyecto alcance to help out. But pray for my husband because I want the Lord to touch him. By then she had three kids. Had several years had gone by, about 10 years. And I says, okay, when I get back, okay, when I get back, I will call you so that we can meet because we always need uh, people to help out. And um, we never got to meet. My husband didn't meet either because uh, when I was in ICU, he came. And through the phone, we installed them as the directors of our ministry. And they're a young couple, okay? It turned out when they visited, when he got to the mission, the Lord spoke to him and told him, this is where I want you to be working. So (laughs) we have directors that are living there with the children. Not only um, are they directing the children's home, but they're pastoring the church that we were pastoring because he's graduated in Bible college. He's the son of a pastor. So the Lord puts everything into his place, okay? That's why I'm saying, I don't know what the Lord wants. If the Lord wants me to stay here, amen. If he wants me to go back, amen. He's going to give me the strength that I need. To continue working for Him because we could never, we should never, I should say, stop working for the Lord. And whatever the Lord puts our way, okay, because He's the one that gives us the strength and the ability to accomplish His will in our life. I want to thank the church for your prayers, okay, and for your support for many years. Um, we receive support from very, very few churches. Very few churches, and this is one that's always been with us from the beginning and continues to support us. So I thank you all. God bless you, and these are my words.
0: Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. So no retirement for y'all. Thinking about retiring, amen. Glory to God. Come on, let's stand to our feet and open our Bibles. If you're not there already, let's get there. 1 Timothy chapter 2. You know, I asked, asked D.L. to come up here, and the other day when they were moving, um, we were sitting down, I think it was the other day. I think it was that, that time, and Lizelle told me that they actually gave her until like December of this year, and she was supposed to die. So if you don't believe in miracles... One, one just walked up here and talked to you, amen? amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, when you got it, say so. It says, therefore, I exhort, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I am a, I, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the testimony that we were able to hear this morning, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your presence that is in this place. And I just ask you, Spirit of God, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. And I pray that we would be faithful respondents, Lord God, that we would be doers of this word. May you help us to grow in our trust of you in all things. And we thank you and we pray this. In Jesus' good name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are starting a new series today. If you do not have an outline, we just raise your hand and hold it up. Please I want to make sure everybody gets an outline. It's always important for us um, You want to be committed to be a disciple-making church, and so it's really important for me that you're able to write down some things. You can take some notes. You can follow along as we um, go through the beginning of the sermon, and you can also utilize what you are learning and what you are hearing to help other people grow in their faith, and so don't just keep it to yourself. Use it for God's glory, and so as we are starting this new series, this new series is entitled In God We Trust. In God We Trust, and so if you look at your outline there, there should be no question we are living in the last days spoken of within the scriptures. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. The Bible prophesies of these days that we're living in. Don't think that it's strange. These days are talked about. We see the love of self as opposed to the love of God running rampant within our culture. Violence is on the rise. Terrorism is becoming a norm on our news outlets. And we have an election coming up that offers us the most terrible candidate options ever. Amen, somebody. I'm just saying, like, if you look at everything, I mean, we definitely need to trust in God. Glory to God. I mean, I'm just, if there's ever a time that we need to trust in Jesus, it is today, right? Like, Jesus for president, amen. I'm just saying, right? And so, you know, ultimately, I'm, you know, the, the the reality is that's just a sign of the days that we're living in. It's a sign of the culture because you know what? Whether we like this or not, we voted these people in. So when we look at who we got, you know, it's not like they were just given to us. Well, you know, that's debatable. But anyway. You know, we got conspiracy theories and stuff like that, but not, but but nonetheless, you know, the, the the truth of the matter is that when we look at where we are, we have to look at the need for us to trust in God. Sadly, second paragraph here. Sadly, this is the reality within which we live, but gratefully, this is not the end of the story. Amen. See, when 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 we, when we looked at D. Ellis's story, you know, her her story starts off terribly. I remember when she came out of the when she came here, um, had the heart attack, and then. I think Lizelle called me like around I mean it was really early in the morning. I think she, she was on a prayer call. Her mom was going to the hospital when she had that heart attack. And then as 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 everything continued to transpire, I just kept on saying, Man, this is demonic. Like I I mean, you just knew that this was not like her time. You know, this was the enemy trying to do something, right? And so, you know, the 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 beauty of it is is that you know, as she was going through this trial and as we read scripture, you know, it's like her, you know, we are, the Bible talks about us being living epistles, right? And so what happens is she was literally showing, you know, what it looks like to be in one of those like, you know, Job situations, right? And I'm not saying she, you know, anyone is perfect or anything like that, but one of those situations where you're in the middle of this trial, you're in the middle of this hardship. She didn't know. She said it. She confessed. She was like, look, Lord, take me. I don't want to go through this anymore. So she didn't know that she was going to be walking. She didn't know she was going to get off dialysis. She didn't know that, you know, uh, that, that she was going to be where she is today. But the reality is that it shows us that her her, her her life story here and what we have in the scriptures is that we know if we go to the end of the book, I mean, we win, amen? At the end of the day, I mean, we know that it's not over. This is part of us getting to where it is that we're going to get to. And see, what I, what I want you to also see is that by faith, the second part of that paragraph, by faith, this doesn't have to be the end of the life and influence of the church and the culture. Sure. I want you to understand something. The enemy could care, and, and, and listen, the enemy could care less about a lot of things that we get all worked up about. The one thing that he wants to do above everything else, I believe, is he wants to silence the church in our days. And you wanna know why? Because God has chosen us to be his vessels, to be his light, to be his voice, to be his representatives in this earth. And if the enemy can get the church to shut up, if the enemy can get the church to stop speaking truth, if the enemy can get the church to stop being the light, then guess what? He wins because you know what happens? Souls are never going to be reached if the church is quiet because God has entrusted us with the call to do what? Preach this gospel unto every tongue, every nation, every person needs to hear this. And if you walk around in the United States of America, and by the way, the reason why I have In God We Trust is because factually our national motto is In God We Trust. I don't care what you're Anywhere else, it is in God we trust. Check your history, you can go ahead and go to treasury.gov if you don't believe me. I believe it was 1956 when one of the presidents who was the president at that time, he just it was, it was Eisenhower. He was the one I looked this all up this morning just to make sure I had my facts right because I was like, let me make sure I'm good. But, but, but the thing is, so you go there and check it out, but he is the one who, who wrote it in, and that is the motto of our nation. Yeah. That is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be those people that are communicating this truth about this God that we trust in. This world needs to know about this God. But the enemy wants to silence the church, wants to keep the church quiet, wants to keep the church like like we don't have authority, like we don't have an ability to influence. But God says something totally different, and we see this here in the scriptures we're looking at. Look at the last paragraph, and then we'll move on. He must see the calling upon the church to prayer, transform living, and evangelistic partnership. Those are the three things we'll talk about this morning with God and the culture as our hope and the only hope of our nation. Listen, the Apostle Paul calls Timothy during the time that Nero was the king or or emperor, I'm sorry. And Nero was not like this cool guy that loved Christians, Okay. He was he he was not for, you know, Christianity. The first persecution was under this guy. I mean, th- this this house went. and Paul is telling his son Timothy, "Listen, I want you to do these things." And he's communicating to him about what's supposed to happen. I want to say something to be clear. And hear me when I say this, and don't get my heart. Um, don't, don't don't misunderstand what I'm what I'm about to say. God is not patriotic. Hello. You know you know how you some of y'all and and, and I've even done this too. Like you hear the national anthem and you cry. You you you're moved. I want you to know God is not up in heaven like crying over the national anthem. I want you to know that. Here's what I want you to know. I do not believe that God is interested in saving America for America's sake. Did you hear me? Israel, listen to what I'm going to say right now. There is only one chosen people, and that is not the United—we are not the chosen people. Hello, somebody. I know somebody may want you to think that. We are not the chosen people as far as America. Now, there are Americans that are chosen people. Hello, somebody. Right, Like those Americans who have bowed their knees to Jesus, and what I want you to know is that I firmly believe that God is invested, based on the Scriptures, in saving Americans. Are you hearing me? And, and through that, obviously, America can be, experience revival and experience an outpouring of glory, but it's not for America's sake. It's for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God. And so, my big idea for the day is this: our greatest sign of dependence upon God is demonstrated in our prayer life. I'll say that one more time: our greatest sign of dependence upon God is demonstrated in our prayer life. Listen, you can say all day long you depend on God. If you don't have a time of prayer, you're lying. I didn't say how long you pray. I didn't say where you pray. I said, if you don't have a time of prayer, a time that you commune with God, you really do not depend on him. You don't. Because you can say you you, you trust God and you depend on God. But if you never take time out to, to talk to God, to hear from God, how do you depend on him? That's like you saying you love water and you never drink any. I love vegetables. You never have any you know using my fitness pal my fitness pal don't lie hello somebody if you it, well you can lie to my fitness pal but if you are being honest and you're entering all of your food entries right and I, I know y'all are looking you know it's like what is it it's it's almost september so y'all in the last half of the year i don't know how y'all are doing with your new year's resolutions to eat right and all that stuff but anyway if you if you are honest and faithful about entering your food into my fitness pal you know what it will do it will tell the truth about what you like and what you don't like because whatever, listen, as far as what you're eating or what you're committed to eating, because guess what's going to be on that thing? The things you eat are going to be there. You can say all day long, I love this, I love that, but if it is not on the MyFitnessPal, guess what? You're lying. You're not telling the truth. or oh, you didn't enter it. Hello, somebody. But for us, when we talk about prayer and we talk about dependence on God, and that's what I want to talk about today, is prayerful dependence. When we talk about in God we trust, prayerful dependence. And let me say this, while it was a, a, a reverend and minister who was the first recognized person who wrote a letter to you know to, to, to speak about the topic of making sure that we were a, nat- a nation that recognized trusting in God, this statement here is not necessarily Christian. You want to know why? Because it doesn't say in Jesus we trust it says in God we trust. It's a general, it's a generalization of deity because obviously as a nation, right, we weren't trying to create a government, you know, church, so we weren't doing that. So obviously they communicated this and they said, okay, this is the best way to say that. So you know what, when you hear in God we trust, then here's what has to happen for us. As Christians, we have to own that. As Christians, we have to say, yes, it is in Jesus and his provision in all areas of my life. It is what God has done. That is who I am trusting in. And so our greatest sign of dependence upon God is demonstrated in our prayer life. And listen, if you don't have a prayer life, I hope that you were highly offended when I said that. I hope you are highly bothered, but I don't hope you're offended, you know, just to be offended for offense sake. I hope you're offended like Paul says. I hope you're offended to the point of repentance. I hope that you'll recognize that God wants to use you in ways that you have no idea. That God wants to do things in your life that you, have no, that you may not even be clear on. God wants to do in you and through you. But guess what? If you are never connecting with him, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see it. So the first thing I ask you to say this with me, say we must engage in prayer as an action, not a reaction. We must engage in prayer as an action, not a reaction. Now, now, here, here's what I want you to get. Look at, look at verse 1 here. Um, Paul says this. Well, let, Let's go back to verse 18, because the apostle Paul is communicating to Timothy, and then he tells him something here. He starts this thing, this charge, this command. He says, this charge, in verse 18, chapter 1, he says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck of, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And then verse, verse 1 in chapter 2, it says, therefore, And so when he's saying, therefore, he's connecting these two statements, he's connecting this previous statement with what's going to happen next. And I love what one writer says. It is as if Paul said the most important point in my exhortation concerns the universal scope of public prayer. What Paul is saying, he's saying the most important thing that I'm communicating to you is coming right here because you know what, you know Timothy and everybody in this place, you need to know this, that you are marked. The enemy is coming against your life. You know, I asked Sister D'Ellis to get up here and communicate that and your life may not look like hers, but I want you to know that the moment that you bowed the knee to Jesus, the moment that you said, as a matter of fact, let me take it further. The moment you heard the gospel, the moment someone shared the word of God with you, you want to know what you became marked and the enemy wants to bring destruction to your life and what paul says is he tells timothy he says i want you to fight this good fight and then he tells him that this this is what's important therefore i exhort first of all that supplications prayers intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men so we must engage in prayer as an action not a reaction see here's the thing two points i want you to consider firstly prayer is not to be a last resort. See, sadly, sadly, for most of us, that's what it is. And, what I'm, I, and I'm not talking, and, and li- listen to me. There is a difference between saying prayers and praying. Do You hear me? And I don't mean, you know, our Father who art in heaven. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about whatever. I'm not talking about you, you reciting prayers. That's not what I'm just saying. Because some of us, we don't have those prayers we recite, but we have prayers that, you know, that are, we're not, they're not those prayers that we recite. We recite other prayers. Like, Father, I thank you for this day. I pray you be with me in this day. I pray that you lead me in this day. I pray you bless me in this day, God in this day, protect me in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, like me, when I get up, I, I, I think I've told you this before. You know, I, I started to a practice a, a few, um, <clears throat> probably like two years ago or something like that, where I literally, you know, I've made myself accountable to where I roll out of bed. And this is, this is almost every day of the week. I mean, there's some days that I don't do this. But typically, I literally roll out of bed very slowly because I got a bad knee. I roll out of bed onto my knees and I, and I and it's just it's a 2 or 3 minute prayer it's simply to acknowledge God and I usually go through the same thing, and I'll say, Father, I thank you so much for waking me up today. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for your wisdom, and I pray that you would guide me. I put on the arm of God in my prayer time, and then I get up, and then I go, and I go do whatever else I got to do, you know, whatever. We won't talk about the rest of that. But anyway, I go on with the rest of my day. But then I have to have a different prayer time That is a time that I get in with God, and we enter into intimacy because, trust me, I can't have a Holy Ghost moment in the dark when my wife is sleeping. That's not going to happen. Hello. Right? Like, like, That's really tough to do. And so you can't live on. What I want you to get out of what I'm saying right now is that I'm not talking about you reciting prayers. I'm talking about prayer that is deep. I'm talking about prayer. I love what Paul says here. Look what he says again. He says, I, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. He's talking about well-rounded. He's talking about all aspects. He's talking about all in prayer prayer that is what we as sons and daughters are supposed to be in that's what i'm talking about but you know what happens to us prayer becomes a last resort when we go through something hard that's all of a sudden when we we up the ante on prayer we start going through a trial in life all of a sudden we're super holy hello somebody all of a sudden we care about the shows we watch we care about the music we listen to we care about the way we're talking we, we, we care about all that stuff we start reading our bible all of a sudden we get holy 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 hello somebody That's what happens to us because it becomes a last resort. But prayer should be an action, not a reaction. I should be walking in prayer. The Bible calls us to what? To give ourselves to prayer. The second thing I want you to consider on prayer is that prayer is never and should never be seen as that's all we can do. You know, one of the things that I hate more than anything else when I hear people say this, and if you said this to me, it's a long time ago because I don't recall anyone saying this to me recently. So just don't say it to me ever again, okay? But here's the thing. I hate when someone is going through something. And they're like, well, all I can do is pray. As though, listen to listen why this bothers me so much. As though prayer is a hopeless exercise we participate in when we come to our wits end, when we come to the end of our ability, when we come to the end of our understanding, or we come to the end of our strength. That's what it sounds like. Well, all I can do is pray. I, you know, That's all I can do. Hold on, it's time out. Can you, can you, can you, who are you praying to that all you can do is pray? Because I know who I'm praying to. I'm praying to the creator of all things. I'm praying to the one who had nothing to work with and spoke everything into existence. I'm praying to the one who sent his son to die on the cross so that way I could have uninhibited access into his presence and I could come to him with my life, with everything that I am, with every situation. And not only that, not only that, but he gave me 66 books that are filled with promises upon which I can stand and I can come before him and I can pray. You want to know why David was on his knees praying and fasting? It wasn't because it was hopeless and all he could do was pray. It is because all he could do was pray because he understood that there is power, not in him, but in the one he's praying to. There is ability in the one who is on the throne. There is ability in the one who is reigning and ruling. And the problem with us is that prayer becomes a last resort. And when we get there, we're so beat up. We're so burnt out. We're so frustrated. We have no strength to press in. That's why I'm saying prayer needs to be an action, not a reaction. Prayer needs to be something that we live in. That's something that we do when we're depressed. Yeah, pray when you're depressed, for sure. But that's not the only time you come to Jesus. We should be singing when we're rejoicing. We should be praying when we're mourning. That's what the script, it should always be, prayer may change in your seasons, but prayer must be in every season. There shouldn't be a prayerless season. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm, I know, I'm stepping on some toes. Glory to God. The church must, hear me when I say this, the church, and when I say the church, Who's the church? You are. I am. We, the church, must make prayer a personal discipline as well as a public practice as a confirmation of our true dependence upon the great I am. I had the privilege of sharing this message on on Thursday night at Canterbury Retreat Center. They invited me, they're doing like some um, Thursday nights, times of prayer and worship. And so I, I was like, well, I'm going to share this, this message. And as I was sharing with them, I said, you know, a lot of churches, you know, for us, we have prayer calls, and then we have our prayer time on Sunday morning. Around 10 o'clock is usually when we start. It just depends, you know, our music ministry goes through, goes through some of the songs. So, you know, depending on that, you know, we may start a little bit later. But typically, we start our time of prayer. And what I want you to know is that I promise you, you see how many people are in this room right now? How many of y'all at prayer this morning? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Now, ask you, don't raise your hand on this one either. How many of you know we pray at 10 o'clock? See, but here's the thing private prayer. If private prayer is not practiced, it's not disciplined, public prayer is not gonna be something that's a priority. Are you hearing me? So Paul wasn't calling Timothy to just make prayer service to make prayer services. He was calling Timothy to be a man who led from a lifestyle of prayer. So let's go to the second point. i step on some more toes here. Amen. Say this with me. We must see prayer as transformational. So the first thing is prayer must be an action, not a reaction. The second thing is we must see prayer as transformational. Look what Paul goes on to say. He says this, he says, he, he says you know, um, supplications, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Look at that, he said, for all men, that's who we're praying for, for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority. Now look what he goes on to say. He says that we may say we may that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Look at that. He said, so pray, supplicate, pray, intercede, pray, give thanks for all men, for kings, for all who are in authority, that you may change. Hello, somebody. You see, we want to pray for him to change and her to change and them to change, but God says, I want you to change. No, no, notice God, God tricks you right here. He's like, you're thinking, yes, we're praying for kings. Yes, we're praying for all the authority. That you may, glory to God, that you may live quiet, glory to God. Some people, y'all need to be quiet. I'm just saying. Some of y'all just need to be like. I know, I know y'all are holy, so you've never seen the king of queens. But, you know, Doug Heffernan, he used to be like, shutty. Just shutty. Right? I know y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't, y'all don't watch that because y'all are holy people. But Doug, he's crazy, right? Funny, hilarious dude. The truth of the matter is, so you can live a quiet, that's external, peaceable, that's internal, that you may live godly and reverent, that your life may reflect Christ. See, what we have to get is this. I, I, want, you, I want you to think about this. The apostle exhorts us to pray for all men, for all kings, for all in authority. Can, I, can you just think about that? Oh, I, sat, I sat back and I thought about this. What would our government look like? if we really took that seriously as a church? What would it look like? How about our churches? What would our churches look like if we took this seriously? He said, pray for all men. We pray for kings and all in authority. You know what that means, all in authority? Everyone that's in a position of authority. So that means, you know what? Pastors, leaders, praying for all. What would the church look like? What would our school systems look like? if we took... See, because here's the thing that, I, that we don't get is that we don't understand. God has given us principles for us to stand by. We don't follow his principles, but yes, we want to see his blessing. Did you hear that? We don't follow his path, but we want his results. We don't follow what he says, but we want to see his glory. Hello. That's stupid. That's ignorant. And so I was talking when I, when I was speaking on this, you know, I said, you know, I don't know what happened because there was a time in this nation. That, listen to me when I say this. There was a time in this nation. Go back into the nation's history and look at these pastors that came over here. That I mean, these were real men of God. And what I mean by real men of God, like this. Like these dudes would be up here preaching right now, and, and the next picture you have of them is they're outside leading a militia. Hello, somebody. Real men. Y'all don't like that. Y'all want pastors to be all quiet and never raise their voice and just, come on, somebody. That's how you want them. Doesn't mean you got to be a prideful jerk. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a man's man. That's what we want, men. Amen. Can I get an amen from some men in here? Ladies. Ladies want men too, right? You want a man that protects you, glory to God. Not just a guy that's like, oh, please. No, no, no. Come on now. Someone's up on you. You want a man to stand up and be like, oh, step back. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. Y'all read my post? Yeah, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but I am from the hood, and I will whoop your behind. I'm just saying, in the right context, right? Like, you come to me for counseling. I'm not going to go get ghetto. I'm going to try not to get ghetto on you. It depends on how crazy you are. But but here's the thing. I'm just saying, like, these were real. And not just real men. You know what they did? Let let, let me tell you what these pastors did, these crazy guys. Because there was a time that the pastors, they were the conscience of the nation. And you know what happened? Every time they were about to pass a law, you want to know what was filling the pulpits? How that law either aligned or opposed the word of God. Right. And there was nobody saying, oh, pastor, don't preach on politics. Shut up. That's what those pastors were saying. What do you mean? We just came out of some craziness. We just came out of some oppression. The reason we started the United States of America is so we didn't have to be under that oppression. We're going to stay silent. No. 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 So the reality is that we're supposed to consider like, okay, we need to be those kind of people that, 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 that are those kind of people who are understanding. You know what God, what he wants to do is he wants to bring transformation for sure. But you know who he wants to transform first? You. He wants to change you. He wants to change me. And so we need to see God, we need to see prayer as being transformational. Understand this, God's power is made manifest in and through us as we seek his face in prayer for all men in general and specifically those in authority. Hear me, God changes us as he's in the process of accomplishing his will through those appointed to leadership. Are you hearing me? You see, there was a time in this nation, as I was, as I was alluding to, that, you know, when I, was free, when, when I was speaking, and there was a time that there was people that were praying. There was a church that was praying. And you know what someone came up to me afterwards and said, because I was like, I don't know exactly what happened. And she said, you want to know what happened? Prosperity happened. You see, if you read your Bible, and, 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 and this should be common sense to us, right? If you read your Bible, you want to know what happened to Israel? Israel would do, would do things like this. And they're an example for us. That's what Paul says. Israel was in, in bondage to, to, to Egypt, right? They were in bondage in Egypt 400 years. They grew multiplied in there. God calls this guy by the name of Moses. Moses comes out, you know, has a conversation with a burning bush. He comes out. He goes and has a conversation with Pharaoh after like I think nine plagues or something like that. I'm not sure. Don't, don't quote me on that. Be like, Bishop don't know his Bible. I'm not sure. I haven't read the plagues in a while. Here's the thing. After all these plagues, God delivers Israel out of this bondage. You want to know what happens? Israel, why why do you think God communicates to the children of Israel in the book of Joshua toward the end? And Joshua says, you choose this day who you will serve. Why do you think he says that? Because what happens is God delivers them from bondage. God blesses them and and they forget about God. Did you hear me? And then you know what happens? They go into bondage again. They repent of their sin. God blesses them. And they forget about God. And so you know what happens in the United States of America? God delivers the United you know, Way back in the day, way before any of us was born, glory to God. Way before any of us was on, this, was on this planet, God delivers them. God brings them here by grace, allows them to rise up, allows them to establish constitution, allows them to, you know, fight some wars. But you know what happens? Prosperity comes. And all of a sudden, nobody. And you know what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened the devil who was the deceiver got a hold of some preachers who started preaching that prosperity garbage not gospel and so what fills our pulpits today preaching to your idols that's all it is the only reason you repent is so you can be blessed did you hear me that's it. the only reason you give is so you can be blessed the only reason you obey is so you can have God answer your prayer because somehow your obedience makes God move. All they do is speak to your idols all day long. That's all they do. They preach to your idols and then you wonder. We, listen, I, one, one preacher said that our hearts are idol-making factories. That's what, that, that's what we are. We are idolaters. Why? Because we were created to worship. And so you know what we'll do? We will either worship God with the things he gives us or we will worship the things he gives us. And you know what's sad? Most of us, most of us, most of us worship the things. And you know what? That sounds like Romans chapter 1. They worship the creation rather than the creator. And so you, I already preached this a couple of weeks ago. So I won't go there again. But if you walk through it, he gives them over to what? Their idols. He gives them over to what? Idolatry. He gives them over to what? A debased, reprobate mind. And then they're stuck under the judgment of God. And so listen, if you are sitting in here and you know that you're an idolater and you know that you are bowing to your idols more than you are bowing to God, I beg you, by God's mercy, turn from your idolatry. Recognize where you are sinning against God and submit your heart to him. He's calling you. Let's look at the next scripture here. He goes on to say this, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. See, what I want you to understand is that when we are reverent before God, when we are peaceable, when we are godly, when we are quiet, when we are walking in these characteristics, what happens to us is that we are able to present the gospel to a world that is looking at us and is seeing our Savior. Are you hearing me? See, when we walk in this, we're able to do that because this is not, listen, this. uh, please, this is not just about us getting what we want. This is about us bringing glory to God. And he says in verse 4, he says this, he says, who desires, speaking of God himself, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So here's the gospel. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. And so the third thing, say this with me. We must see prayer as a partnership with God in the salvation of men. We must see prayer as a partnership with God in the salvation of men. I don't want you to get this twisted. We have nothing on, on, in our ability, nothing to do with men being saved. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. That's not what I'm saying when I'm talking about a partnership. What I am talking about is that we get to be part of how God saves men. And you know how that is? Through the gospel. It is through the proclamation of the gospel. The apostle Paul calls the church into personal and public prayer for all men and leaders with the intent of changing the person praying as he governs the affairs of the nation with the desire. Look what the scripture said, not me. The scripture said with the desire that all men would be saved and that they would come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a beautiful thing. Because what God lets us know, see, when I get out there and say that God wants to save someone, I mean that. There is no question in my mind because this is what the Scripture says. Not me. This is what the Scripture says. When I communicate, like just now, I'm talking about if you're walking in idolatry, I am fully assured beyond a shadow of a doubt that God desires you to be saved. He desires you to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what the Scriptures teach. And for us, you know what I want you to get? What I want you to understand is that we cannot continue to maintain ourselves in the four walls of the church and not be out there reaching those who don't know Christ. Listen, this is not just about me feeling good about myself. This is not about me just doing some good stuff. That's not what this is all about. This is about me being in the battle for the souls that, that, that are there whom Jesus, the scripture says here again, we talk about the gospel. He gave himself a ransom for all. Why? Because all men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus pays a price that is able to deal with the sins of all mankind. That's what he does. He lays his life down. So if you're in here today and you haven't bowed your heart to Jesus, you haven't repented of your sin, you haven't trusted him as Savior, today is the day for you to do that. Today is the day. As we were singing, as, as we were in the, in the song, in the last song, the slow song, there was a part in the song there where it says, I am yours. And you know, I realized something, that as we we're going through this song, man, you could have gotten saved right there. You could have simply made a declaration, God, I am yours. I recognize you are Lord. You are the sovereign ruler. You are the reigning king. And so listen, what I want you to realize is that the Bible says that all who will call upon the name of the Lord, if you have not called on the name of the Lord and said, God, I need your saving grace, please call on him today. Don't leave this place the same way that you walked in here. And let me say something else. For those of us that are in here that we called on the name of the Lord however many years ago, please don't continue to walk by people that need to hear this gospel, but be a light to a world that desperately needs the light to shine. You know, we look at all the darkness that is around us, and I love what one preacher said. He said, you know what? We get discouraged about the darkness. He said, but we should not get discouraged about the darkness because, you know what? The diamonds shine the brightest on the darkest backdrops. And when the, and when the diamond of the gospel is shared in the midst of a dark world, it shines brightly. If we will be faithful to share that gospel, if we will be faithful to be the light that shines, then we can be those who are communicating the truth into the lives of those who desperately need it. Our prayer life and lifestyle must unify in the gospel and for the gospel. As I said, and the scriptures communicate, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all that all could hear the gospel and have the opportunity of salvation. Prayerless life, listen to this. Prayerless life leads to poor witness, which leads to a powerless gospel. Did you hear me? A prayerless life leads to poor witness, which leads to a powerless gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, didn't Paul say, I mean, Bishop, come on, you're contradicting the word of God right now. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation. It didn't say you had to be powerful. It said the gospel is powerful. Amen, yes, and amen. The gospel is power by itself. But if you are powerless, if your life doesn't exemplify Christianity, listen, Jesus said this to the Pharisees, you nullify the word of God because of your traditions, how can they nullify the word of God? They, they don't have power over God's word. It's because their lifestyle, their belief system nullified the word of God. But see, if I'm a man, if I'm a woman that is in prayer the way that I'm supposed to be, then you know what happens? God is changing my life because this is what the scripture says. If you want to be a person who is living quiet, who, in other words, who knows when to shut up and knows when to speak, Amen. If you want to be a person who really has peace in your heart, who really walks around governed by the peace of God, if you want to be a person who lives a godly life, if you want to be a person who walks with reverence before God, that's all in verse 2 there. If you want to be that person, Paul gives you the way to do it. Be a person who prays, who supplicates, who intercedes, and who gives thanks for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority. That's what he says. Partner with God in the gospel because here's one thing that I want you to know. What I want you to know is I want you to realize there, there's a story, and I don't know if I shared this. I don't. I don't know if I shared this here. Um, I know I shared it with the music ministry a few weeks ago, but there's a story in the Book of Acts, and it's, by, and it's about these guys. They're, they're known as the Seven Sons of Sceva. How many of you know the story? Raise your hand if you know the story. Okay, so I'm gonna tell the story because everybody else's hand didn't go up. Either you were lazy or you know. Here's the thing. The Apostle Paul, he's preaching. The word of God is happening. He's casting out demons. They're taking handkerchiefs from him. I mean, the power of God is manifesting in a great way. And all of a sudden, these seven dudes, they're like, yo, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do the same thing this guy's doing. And they walked over there and they said what? They said, we, 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 we cast you out in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. <laughs> I was like, man, you missed something there. Hello. But let me tell you the terrible part. That was terrible enough, but can I tell you what's even worse? This demon turned around to them and was like, "Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, who are you?" Now, <laughs> now listen, I don't know. I, I would be so petrified. If I was in a situation like that, like someone just, just, just picture this. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say this, but just picture someone foaming at the mouth, acting all kind of crazy. And you come out and say, I cast you out in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And that person gets into their right mind at and says, hold on a second. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Why do I say that? Paul was known by demons because he was known by God. Because he was in a relationship with his creator. He was clothed in something greater than his own authority, than his own wisdom, than his own ability. That's why I say a prayerless person leads to a poor witness and a powerless gospel. What I know is this, is that Paul, Peter, all these guys, they would never take any glory for themselves. They would never say, well, it's because I pray these many hours. It's because I do all of this. But you know what? Their lives were marked by all of that. And so we can't deny that we need to be in that place of prayer. The last thing that I'll say before I close is this. Jesus paid a great price. You like how I did that? I did two closings on you in once. You see, I like, you like that. The last thing I'm going to say before I close, that's how I got you all right now. Jesus paid, which doesn't mean anything, but anyway, Jesus paid a great price for the souls of men on the cross. God is seeking men who will be given to prayer who he can fill with his Holy Spirit and send out as witnesses to a lost and dying world as light with a message of power combined with a life of power. Look, he's looking for someone that'll say, here I am, Lord. He's looking for someone to say, God, here I am. I don't want to live a mediocre life. I don't want to live just just the norm of of what we think Christianity is. I want to live for your glory. I want to live for your honor. And here's my closing question. I was just messing with y'all. Do you see the connection between prayer, transformation, and evangelism? And are you dependent or are you independent of God? This is my question. The title of the message was Prayer for Dependence. And I started off by saying, look, you can say you depend on God all day. But what I want you to ask yourself is what is your prayer life like? That's what I, I mean. We're, we're talking about in God we trust for the next few weeks. But I want to start here. Because before we talk about the, the great exploits that we see in the scripture, before we talk about the great things that we see in the scriptures that should encourage our faith, here's the basic reality. The basic reality is that we have to come back to this place of prayer. You know, there was a, there, there was a coach of a football team. His football team got whooped, terribly. And they came out, you know, they, they came out, they came into the locker room after the game and they knew that their coach was gonna run into them and just like, just kill them. The coach got into the middle of the room, he grabbed a football and he lifted it up before the guys and he says, gentlemen, this is the football. And what he did was he said, we gotta go back to basics. We gotta go back to the basics. You know, we all want to, if, if I were to ask the question, most of us, not everyone. If I were to ask the question, most of us would want to see the glory of God. We want to see the power of God. Oh, yes, I want to see revival. If we, did a, if we did a quick, you know, just, just a survey in this room, we would, we, we would get all those yeses. But then if I asked another question. And if it was, you know, because if if it was not something that, if it was something that everybody could know, but if it was gonna be anonymous, and I would ask, okay, for all those people that said yes, 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 and amen, I want all of that, then I ask you, how many of you have a time of prayer with God? I'm sad that I would know that people really don't want what they say they want. It's as with any golden life, you say you want it, your lifestyle needs to show that you want it. And I said in the beginning, listen, this Prayer, if you are dependent upon God, prayer will be evident in your life. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm going to do something here. I'm going to ask you to come forward. But I want you to, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. Because I don't just want you to just come forward just to come forward. I want, I want you to hear this. First of all, I've already told you, if, I've already said this. And I hope that if you do not know Jesus in this place, that you put your faith in Christ. I pray that you will repent of your sin and that you will trust him today. But what I, what I, want, what I want is I want, to, I want to call those who say, God, I want to be prayerfully dependent. I'm, I'm tired of looking around at everything like that's going on and being, and being overwhelmed by that. I want to be overwhelmed by your presence. I want to be moved by your power. I want to be a person of prayer. Listen, this is a serious call. This is not just come to the front and just, no, no, no. This is saying, God, I'm committing to you today. I'm making a commitment to you today that I will be, that I'm going to, listen, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to pray for you because I'm not going to lay hands on everybody. We're going to get up here, whoever comes, and I'm going to pray a general prayer. But this is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will wake you up and make you uncomfortable, that the Holy Spirit won't let you hit the snooze button anymore. That goes for me too. Amen, somebody. That the Holy Spirit will begin to grip your heart and burden you in prayer like you have never been before. That he will change your prayer life and that you will be used by him to be a voice of truth. But that it will begin in prayer, not just because you got some head knowledge, but that you will be a person that realizes that the hope of God comes by the power of God being manifested through the people of God to a world that needs God. That's what we need. And so listen, if you say, God, I want to be that person, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar with me right now. And let's pray together. And so the altar's open. And so you can come forward as you feel led. Please respond to the Lord. Don't be disobedient to the Holy Spirit. If he's calling you, know that he's calling you. And respond to him in faith. Hallelujah. And don't worry about the person beside you. If they're in your way, just tap them and let them know you're coming through. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. There's like two rows here, so I'm going to ask you to on on each row, grab somebody's hand beside you, and I want us to, to begin to pray one for the other right now will that we will as we've responded to the lord today and said god we don't want the norm anymore we want to be all that you've called us to be So, begin to pray father god we come to you right now and heavenly father we acknowledge your word that calls us to pray, my God, that calls us to intercession, that calls us to give ourselves to you, my God, that calls us to surrender all unto you. Father God, your word is calling us higher, my God. Your word is calling us deeper, my God. And so, Father, today, I pray that you would fill our hearts with a burden, my God, a burden for prayer like never before, my Lord. Father God, that we would be a people that truly and wholeheartedly Heartedly trust in you and god that we would lay our lives down that we would lay our hearts down and that we would allow you lord god full out to our hearts today. Father God, I pray, Spirit of the Lord, that you would begin to stir up, Lord, within us, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would wake us up, Lord God, earlier than we, than we anticipated. I pray that you would keep us up later than we want to stay up, not to watch movies, not to hang out, not to do other things, but God, to be on our face before you as a broken people, my God, in a broken world that has an answer, and that is an almighty God that fixes that man that restores and heals my god father today in the name of jesus give us a heart a prayer my god teach us to pray holy spirit even when we don't know what to pray fill us that we may pray lord god forgive us forgive us god for being reactive with our prayers and not active in our prayer life Forgive us, Heavenly Father, for responding to situations rather than walking with you through situations, my God. Father, today, my Lord, I pray for everyone on this this altar, my Lord. Father, everyone that has come forward today, Lord God, fill us with a fresh passion. Fill us with a fresh hunger. Fill us with a deeper desire for your presence, my God. And Lord God, I pray above all, that you would fill us with a greater faith. Fill us with a greater faith, my God. That we would believe your word. That we would know who it is that we're approaching when we pray. God, today, for your glory's sake, for this nation's sake, for the nations of the world's sake, God, raise up intercessors in us. Raise up prayer warriors in us. Father, we surrender to you in this place. Let's just sing that before we close out here. We surrender. Yes. Come on, let's lift those hands before the Lord. Yes. That's right, Jesus, withholding nothing. Jesus, withholding nothing. Yes, Jesus. that is within us we surrender to you have your way in our hearts let our lives be marked lord god by this day by this time by this commitment we've made rise up in us god use us for your glory in jesus great name everyone said come on give god a hand of praise as you make your way to your seats embrace someone glory to god